produced by Podcast Architects. Welcome back to another episode of The Path Forward here at Tassa Midwinter in Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Dr. Rick Fernandez, and I have a very special guest and friend, Dr. Michael Webb, Chief Academic Officer, Tomball ISD. Thank Welcome. You. Welcome. Thank you, man. It's been it's been maybe a few years, but it's nice to see you. And, it's uh, been? Do, have I aged? Well, no, because I see you every week on Twitter and do this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I have been keeping I haven't seen you. You can't get rid of me is what you're, what you're saying? Yeah, I keep track. I learned a lot of from uh, Dr. Cordona and how he barbecues from this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he was on today, by the way. Oh, uh, he was. He's, he's one of the best. So transparent. So I, I got to make sure I'm asking him questions that, that he's he's not going to get himself in trouble. But he is just everything on the table. That's, That's why right. I love I love having him because he's going to tell you like it is. That's right. Well, congratulations, Renoir. I know it's a little it's a little late in coming, but uh, chief academic officer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Uh, uh, transitioned into the uh, chief academic officer about uh, you know uh, last uh, a year ago, last fall semester. So maybe about a year year and a half into it now, but. Uh, it's great uh, to make a transition when you're already familiar with the district. So I didn't have to go in there and figure out where the light switches are, and you know, and try to remember, um, try try to remember names of people. It, it was nice, and and there's a good structure already in the district. So my challenge was, is how can you innovate from that? Right. So we've taken this concept and we have uh, embedded it within our literacy plan as, of uh, looking at the bright spots. So when we look at innovation it's not about bringing in something new it's about finding things that you're doing well and bringing that to scale okay so if you remember you know a few years ago you and i we traveled out to california went to the apple campus right one thing i took from that um, visit is they said that the future is here it's just not well distributed and so we're kind of taking that concept uh, in tomball and looking for bright spots the future is here i mean we have some of the most effective teachers and teaching practices and routines and strategies i think that you can find anywhere no no question it's just not at scale that's right so what we did with our literacy plan uh, we launched it at the beginning of this school year was uh, we went around and we have videoed and we've documented and we have captured in a framework what are the most effective teachers doing so when you come into our system, if you're a new principal, if you're a new uh, teacher, you know what do we believe about literacy. And it's not anything new. It's about what has worked in the district. So, you know, there's been a big hubbub about literacy and some of the, the tried and true or what we thought was tried and true practices. How does that come into play when you're evaluating how do we teach literacy? How do we teach reading and writing and phonics and all of those things? What do you lean on to kind of guide the ship? Yeah, so in Tomball, we, uh, there's a lot of autonomy in the classroom. Right. We don't have scripted lessons. We, don't have, we do have a scope and sequence. We do have a framework that uh, teachers work within. We are not um, uh, anchored by any one textbook in any content area throughout the district. So we have a lot of resources that are available to, uh, to teachers. But I always go back to those four PLC questions. What is it that we want kids to know? How do we know that they have learned it? What do we do if they don't? And what do we do if those kids already have? So when you're looking at, you know, what are teachers doing in the classroom based on, on, on new evidence and new practices, it goes back to what do we want kids to know and, and are, they, are, they, are they learning it? And right. I think our teachers, I think what is tightly held in Tomball uh, is assessment. 
what is loosely held in Tomball is curriculum implementation. Right. So in Tomball, we very we uh, support all teachers in a tight way, which is a very uh, assist, assist, a systemic way of unit test and district benchmark test, and even now with our precision tests uh, in um, CTE, we can answer that question: Is what are kids learning? Yep. So leadership question for you. I mean, and, and I hope I don't embarrass you, but I think everybody would agree that you are and were one of the foremost experts in special education and how to get the most and the best outcomes for our students who need the most support in our school system. How do you go from knowing, from knowing it like you do and being able to serve students and teachers like you do to now broadening the scope? And understanding that's a piece of it, but now there's so much yeah. more. Well, um, the whole world is an art now. <laughs> that's we've, got different we've got different uh, perspectives, and, um, and uh, in special education, since the beginning of special education, we've always have had to listen to parents mm -hmm. as partners in education to develop that IEP. I think some people uh, may be struggling now in leadership roles because you do need to be responsive. We should have always been responsive to, to parents, but parents are there now. Yep. And uh, it, the whole world is an art. I mean, for, I think, my leadership skills, you know, was not as a campus leader. It, it came through uh, special education, director of special, uh, special education, but it always, if you're in special education and leadership in special education, it always has been working to reach consensus from a group. And I think now, more so than ever, leaders have got to be able to listen to the communities, uh, respond to them, find common ground, stand, stand, uh, Stand strong when you need to, but be able to communicate that. But really, that's what that's what an art is. Yeah, I mean, that's what we've been doing for a long time. And I think that that positioned me better for this for this point in time that we are in in public education. What's been your biggest stretch or the biggest uh, push outside your comfort zone in the new role? Leading areas in which you have not had experience, yeah. such as uh, CTE, such as library sciences, such as uh, Ag, <laughs> but there is a lot, and I think in you know in in uh, so if we just take CTE, uh, you know we've able to in the last uh, uh, in the last year we've been able to expand our programs of study. We've included now cybersecurity, aviation, legal, law, law enforcement. Uh, next year we will have uh, rolling out our new uh, PTEC, which will be a part of Tomball Star, Star, um, Star, Star Academy, mm -hmm. and I think that the innovation. Uh, that has been a part of our of our CTE vision uh, helped well because in special education you always have to change you can't never really sit back on what you've done before right and so you know I really have learned and learned from the best and Bob Thompson and and uh, Carla Sandoval and our CTE teams Absolutely. I think that we have formed a good team and we're able to get these new offerings out to out to kids and kids are signing up and kids are are are, are starting to access a more coordinated uh, pathway that will help them after high school. Have you found, and you know, I mean, we work together, you know I love CTE. Have you found that part of our, our path forward to making CTE, almost rebranding, is how do we take these programs that, that our parents and even some of us as, as leaders have experienced? And what we experience in the classroom in high school or even in college is not near what the experience is now, and not near uh, the the technology, um, the 
ability to have certificates and all these different opportunities, that's not how we experience. So our, our mental model of it as parents, and I say we as, as our generation, is way different. And there's always, I felt like there's been a stigma of CTE is for the kids that aren't going to college. And that is absolutely not the case. It's part of our issue. How do we make sure our parents and then as a byproduct, our students understand what it truly is? I look at CTE the same way I look at athletics and the same way I look at basketball or football. I think that there are kids that uh, are more engaged in school than they would have been otherwise because of basketball. Mm -hmm. Or they are, they're more engaged in school than they, than they uh, otherwise would because they are on the football team. It's the same thing with CTE. CTE is all about engagement and it's coordinated engagement. So when we talk to parents and we talk about the industry uh, standard equipment and uh, facilities that we now have in Tomball that can engage a kid in a coordinated way. So we're not talking about taking um, electives in a random fashion, the way right. that many of us did when we were in school, yep. but in a coordinated way. Uh, we're talking about being able to, you know, graduate college with that, or graduate high school with that uh, industry-based um, certification in a stackable way. So when we talk about a stackable, you know, you could have a student that's Harvard bound accessing a coordinated pathway in CTE, and that student is better off stacking those certifications, even though they might not be using them at the entry level. And the tools that uh, I think kids are able to get in high school, um, and they're, they're, they're able to um, experience careers that would not have occurred in, until their mid-20s after college. So you're able, now in Tomball, I mean, you can set in our mock courtroom and you can experience what the jury experience is like. You can experience what a deliberation is like or opening, ar um, opening arguments. And in the past, you might not have experienced that until perhaps in law school. Uh, we have a law enforcement simulator now that we share. That it, it's Tomball's, but uh, uh, our police department comes because they don't have that level of equipment at the Tomball Police Department. Wow. And our simulators are giving kids experiences to engage them that they would not have otherwise had. And I do believe that CTE is is making, be making better overall students even outside that pathway. So our sell to, um, our sell to parents is it's all about engagement. It's not about you uh, believe that your child is college bound, therefore this career technical education or some refer to it as uh, vocational right. is not appropriate. I mean, you look, at, you look at ag, the reason that we have ag is to develop leaders. You look at the presentation skills and the public speaking that you get through an ag program. You don't have to have a future in agriculture to benefit from ag sciences and those pathways in CTE uh, in high school. Um, you even look now, you know, we're, uh, we are, are following a bill Looking at ROTC might become under the CTE umbrella, mm -hmm. but RT, uh, ROTC is all about leadership. Yeah, it's, it, you know, it's not about that next uh, step into the military. That may occur, but if you look at our at our district, less than five percent of the kids in ROTC are going to the military, and that doesn't mean it's a failure. Yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. I mean, I think a lot of students would one hundred percent benefit from ROTC in leadership in. And, you know, I have a lot of opportunities to talk to businesses and, and companies and work with a, a variety of folks. And one of the qualities that they're all like, can a kid show up and be responsible? And ROTC and some of the requirements and some of the leadership training that they have, that is the, the bare minimum that you have to have in the workforce. And, it, and it, it is absolutely a value regardless if they go to the military or, or decide to do something else. I think that's, you know, highly, highly beneficial. I mean, I mean 
you know, Tomball is a great district, and there's a lot of reasons why. I mean, some from this past year, what are some of the highlights? Because I, I, I know A-rated district, top district in Region 4, but are there some, some other ones that I'm missing there? So I think you just, if you go back and look at CTE, three years ago we had students earn 100 industry-based uh, certifications. This past year we had over 1,300. Oh my goodness. We only graduate about 600 kids, so what does that mean? We have kids getting multiple IBCs before they, uh, before they finish high school. And I think, I think, number one, what that means is public education has been responsive to the business narrative over the past few decades that have saying, you know, schools have got to have a, me have a meaningful place in preparing kids to compete in the market. So when we now have 1,000 industry-based certifications being issued to uh, over five or 600 kids, that's responsive to the market. And many of those kids are not going into entry-level jobs, but they're stacking them. I right. think that's a huge success in Tomball in just a short manner of time. But, I, you know, we talk about this all the time in Tomball. What is unique about Tomball is uh, being able to handle the growth, the rapid increase in enrollment, mm -hmm. and also increase achievement at the same time. So when you look at our system, you know, you look at one out of two kids uh, in Tomball today, almost three out of four kids in Tomball have not gone through the system K through 12. So we've got to acclimate students into our system as quickly as possible, into our way of teaching, uh, into our expectations, uh, into our rigor, so, so then we can produce the academic achievement that's expected by our community. Uh, so to, to, to grow, and then also to grow achievement at the same time right. has been, I think has been something that's very unique to our, our school district. Yeah, that's a great perspective. I hadn't considered, I mean, I see all the, the, the accolades and obviously uh, uh, unbelievable district, but I had not considered how difficult that is when you think of all the variables that are that come into play each year. Because um, you're not just talking about 1,000 new kids no. each year. You're also then talking about 150 new teachers. We're right. building a new building every year for the next five years. So you yeah. can't just rest and say, okay, we've got our staff, we've got our structure. No. It's, it's new. It's The kids are new, the teachers are new, the administrators are new. Um, and... And that's hard to do. That's hard to do. Man, that is that is amazing just to sit here and consider that. You want to change gears? Let's change some gears and wrap up with a little bit of fun. All right. I would say for our audience, Dr. Webb and I are our former college basketball players, so we love to talk basketball. Uh, I was watching ESPN the other day. They were having this the 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 debate of debates that's been going on for a while, right? So. Jordan versus LeBron, who is the best? I've always been a Jordan guy, but I was I thought about it. And I've come to a different realization on it. So first, I'm going to ask you, what is your take? Jordan LeBron, greatest basketball player of all time. Michael Jordan, 10 days out of 10 days, twice on Sundays. And give me, give me a couple of reasons why. I, I think, and I'm not saying that LeBron James might be a better player, might have the higher credential at this point, has had a longer career. I like, I like the way Michael Jordan competes. Right. I like his killer instinct. I like the way he focuses on, uh, in, in a laser type of manner, uh, you know, improving, uh, winning, and improving the people around him. I, of course, LeBron is a, is a competitor. I don't know if he has what MJ had as a competitor. Okay. And when you also look at Michael Jordan, which I think, you know, what, what draws me more to Michael Jordan, you know, who, who else is in the... Um, you know, always in the discussion, the best basketball player ever, and was also rated a number of times the best defensive player in the. Right. Okay. Uh, let, let me get your feedback on, on my opinion. So, 
We're, we're somewhat aligned. I, I've come over to the belief that if you're looking at straight basketball player, that Le, LeBron James is the better basketball player, right? Out of the context of the team and all of that. If I were on that team, if I had to pick which, which team I would be on to have them, one of them as my teammate, I would rather play with LeBron. I would have a better time playing with LeBron. It would be better for me. I would win more. I would grow more as a player playing with MJ. That's right. If I told, if my, if my kids had a choice, I would want them to play with MJ. I know that it would be tough. I know it would not be fun all the time. There would be a different level of intensity and accountability, but I believe they would achieve more, not only with their, uh, you know, their personal goals, but yeah. as a team. He would expect more and he would hold you accountable for Unqu that in, in, in your face. Absolutely. Yeah. So that begs the question, do great teams, do great districts have to have people that hold others unwaveringly accountable, even if it's not in the way that everyone enjoys, everyone likes, everyone uh, is going to even accept at times. Don't you have to have that person. There can be no meetings behind the meetings. When we, when, when the leaders of a district get to a table, there has to have, there has to be real conversation there. Yep. We can't just go through the meeting uh, and cordially agree, and then and then go to the meeting behind the meeting to get to get things done. Yep. And I think that you know that's the Michael Jordan type of type of leadership. When you come to a meeting, come with your different ideas, come to compete, uh, but also come to win. And also that does mean at times compromising and giving the ball to someone else. But when we come to a meeting, when we come to a project, we've got to work together and hold each other accountable. No one can do it on their own. A hundred percent. Okay, so you do agree. I, I, was, I was thinking you were, you were not going to agree with my premise there, but it took me a, it took me a while to get to the place where, where I was going to actually admit. One-on-one -on -one basketball player, I'm going with LeBron. Oh, he's bigger. He's stronger. He's stronger. Uh, all, all he's lasted that. longer. Yeah. Yep. He'll get the scoring record all over. Right. Mm -hmm. All right, well, viewers, listeners, hit the, hit the like, hit the subscribe, make some comments, tell me I'm right and he's wrong on our conversation about Jordan and LeBron. And Dr. Michael Webb from Tomball ISD, thank you for joining me. I appreciate me. it. I appreciate it. you. Yes, thank sir. Thank you so much. Produced by Podcast Architects.